This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, I want to share, it's dangerous to say I want to share a quick thought, and I'm going to try. So I made my sermon deliberately shorter. Nowadays I try and do that, but then I quarrel too much. <laughs> so I've got such personal, I don't want to say challenges or things that I say to the Holy Spirit. So I deliberately look at my sermon and say, okay, keep it shorter, but then sometimes you just sense that the Holy Spirit is filling in stuff. So I'm going to try and say what God wants to say this morning and not what Yaku wants to say so much this morning. Um, last week I was sharing at, uh, in Swakup Munt um, and I wanted to bring it across here but I thought, you know what, let me start with something fresh here which I probably would roll out in the rest of the region so you're the first one to hear the message this morning. But um, just to go back quickly to what I shared last week um, in Swakup Munt, you know, sometimes when we come to the beginning of this year, a lot of us, uh, us ask ourselves, what is God, what does God want to do uh, is it something special? Is it a spiritual message? And, but I sensed um, to, the con- to say to the congregation, you know, I believe there's four questions. You can listen to the sermon later. I don't want to go into that and preach the sermon this morning. Four questions that I believe we will be faced with in this year. And it was based upon John 6. Um, John 6 is that part where Jesus multiplies the bread. So when I sensed that God wanted me to share on the scripture, First of all, you know, you go through these motions and you're like, God, but, you know, all your people heard this story before, you know, nothing new about multiplying fish and bread, you know, that's how I was having this conversation with the Lord. And uh, so anyway, so it came to this thing where I just sensed God said, ask questions about this. And the first question, and just quickly want to share that as an introduction, is which I came to the conclusion when Jesus took his disciples, they went up the mountain you can have a look at that scripture in John 6. They went up the mountain, the Bible says. And then as soon as they were up in the mountain, they s- sat down. And I think there's a specific reason why Jesus took them up the mountain. And scripture gives us specific detail that they were up on the hill, up in the mountain, not just down there. And as they sat down, and imagine this, they're walking there, walk with Jesus, sit down, almost like I sound now. You know, and they might have exhausted, and then they sit down like, oh, there was, was a high one. I don't know, our highest mountain is Brandberg, 2000. But anyway, I don't know how high that was, but nevertheless, they climb up there, maybe a little bit exhausted, sit down, and next thing they look down, and there's 5,000 men. The Bible says only the men with 5,000, so we do not know, seven to 10,000 with children. And they look, and as they, you know, I can just imagine, they sit there and look at all the people, and Jesus deliberately took them up, I think higher just so that they can see clearer how many people. Because if you're down, you can't see that many people, isn't it? Huh? You agree with me? A little bit dire and you see better. And then at that moment, as they're probably having a discussion, I don't know what they were talking about, the sandwiches or what they're having for lunch, and Jesus throws a bomb in there, which I just love, because Christ would sometimes just move us, shake us out of that comfort zone, and says to Philip, listen, Philip, where can we buy bread for those guys? Boom. I could just imagine the silence there. Can you imagine that? I mean, you look at the 5,000. They probably had a discussion. I don't know what they were talking about there. Yeah, that's a lot of people, Jesus. Where are they coming from? Where can we buy bread for them? And then the silence, and then probably some of them thought, I didn't hear that. He's gone, he's gone mad now. <laughs> Surely he didn't talk to, he, should, he didn't talk to, I mean, we all know we haven't got the bread for, for 5,000 people. We all know there's not a Kentucky. We all know there's not a McDonald's. There's no Tani that we know that can make so many sandwiches for them. 
Anyway, it's just Jesus, the way Jesus would come across there. But here's the first question, and I'm going to depart from that. I think at that stage, they were quite overwhelmed. Would you agree with me that if you look at 5,000 people, 10,000, there's definitely more than 5,000, and Jesus asks you, oh, can you go and buy some bread? Either you think he's mad or you're overwhelmed with the sense of urgency, need, and the expectation of God. And here's the thing. All of us, in 2019, for some other reason or somewhere where we're going to go, if we follow Christ, even if you follow the world, it will happen to you as well, but at least when we have Christ, we have Christ, <laughs> you will be overwhelmed. You will be. That's not just a, that's a, I don't want to say, I said a prophetic promise, that's just a statement, it will happen. And I knew we were build, busy building. We met on Tuesday morning with our contractors there. And the 1st of February, we out there taking a step in faith in our own congregation there in Swakop, uh, taking ground and literally building a church. But I knew that from time to time, uh, overwhelmment will come to me as well. So I'm not preaching from a place on a pedestal saying, you know what, I've mastered this. In actual fact, I knew I'm actually preaching to myself. I will be overwhelmed over this year. And when we are overwhelmed, how do we react? How do we respond? What do we do in that place of everything is too much for me? In actual fact, sometime during this week, I felt like that for a moment as well. And it's going to come continuously to us. Overwhelmment is going to come to us when the world puts some expectation upon us. When we probably at church, wherever we are, we've got that option how to react in that moment or to respond in that moment. You know, that it's too much for me now. Has anybody asked, uh, felt like that before? Huh? It's just me. Actually, I felt like that this past week. So as soon as I preached, it happened to me, and then I had to apply my own sermon to myself and say, okay, what am I going to do in that moment of over overwhelmment? Because the disciples had to sit there, probably had a discussion, a team talk about, uh, do you know Tani Su? And you know Tani Su? And we add up, and we say we only get to 500 sandwiches, the capacity maybe that we can go to. And you get this option to go into the flesh trying to accomplish, or you either look at Christ and say, God, you are my only hope. This thing is overwhelming me, but you are my only hope. You know, when we get to places and times like that, you know, we've got a choice. And as I was in this week for a moment, you know, um, in the beginning of this year, you know, you take a little bit more energy and a little bit more fuel to get the plane into the air because you're meeting, meeting, meeting with people, everybody's sharing, we're going, where are we going, all of that. And then sometimes you have to plan very carefully just to execute everything and do it, what... Um, what you need to do. And then there's this form of uh, overwhelmment in the moment. Say, God, I'm going to get to all these things just so that we can go. And then I was sharing with my wife, and my wife said to me, oh, maybe just pray that God would multiply your hours. Now, that doesn't mean that God is going to give me a, um, a bar one day. You know, that uh, old ad of bar one, a 25-hour day. But sometimes, you know, you need to ask God, just multiply my time. And it doesn't make sense in the natural, but it makes sense in the spiritual that God enables you to do more in the same amount of hours just because it's, it's, just, a, it's just God. If, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't walk according to certain disciplines. Of course, there's certain other disciplines that we have to apply. You know, and I prayed that. And then suddenly something opened and I was able to do so much more. And still ended, in, end this week with God, thank you. I wanted to do this and this and this and I could do that. But here's the thing, that small prayer had significant impact in my week. God, multiply my hours. Because God, this and this and this and this and this, I want to do for you this week. 
And I know, Lord, I need to do this. And Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but help me. But it's not so much about the overwhelmment. It's about that small prayer that I actually just prayed. In actual fact, some time ago, um, last year, end of November, we went away for a weekend. And what happened is when we came back on the Oost Road, we were camping at Brandberg. We were in an accident, and a car came on our side of the road, literally on the left side, and it was approaching us, and it happened so quickly that we had to leave the road. In the moment, our trailer was with, uh, we had our camping trailer, and all I thought is just God help me just to keep my car on the wheels. And uh, so what happened is um, the trailer went airborne, it uh, fell on its roof, came back on its wheels, and it was written off. We actually pulled it to you. But the long story short is, it was a totally write-off. Our bucky no, never rolled. Nothing happened. We went through two other cars to the right side of the road, back to the left. And um, it was just one massive miracle of God's protection. So anyway, long story short is, um, I can share more about that testimony, what God said to me after this time, you know, when you sit there and it's like, okay, God, why did this happen? Is there anything, any, you know, you go through this motion, any open door? No, I didn't sense that God says open door, all of that. And the only thing which I sense that God says, you know, um, the trailer is, you know, it's worldly stuff. God says, I can replace that. Don't worry about that. I just want you to experience my protection. I just want you not to talk about protection, but to experience my protection. You know, and then the Lord said, okay, but I'll replace that to you anyway within, and that's personal stuff I'm just sharing with you. And God did that. So anyway, God, um, replaced our trailer, you know, because that's irrelevant worldly stuff. That's a, something to bless us with and enjoy. But at the end of the day, what we take from that is, God, you are good. You are the protector. So what would happen is um, I um, got a new trailer, and uh, the trailer had one of those locks, all the same locks. But the guy that I bought it from had only one key. So I took this key, and I thought, you know, if this key is going to, if I lose this key, I'm in trouble. I can't the whole trailer. So I went here to the locksmith here, and I said to him, can you make me a copy of this key? It's not this one, by the way. But a um, little key like that. And the guy looked at the key, and he said to me, oh, sorry, the key is too small. I can't copy that key. I can't make another one. So now I've got this only one precious key that I know if this key, it might be small, but that small key unlocks probably 15 to and don't underestimate that, doors on that trailer. So I have to get rid of the other locks, but I realize the importance of that small key, and I treasure that almost. But here's the thing, people, and I'll talk about more important keys this morning. There's an important key that God has given us, which I think so often is neglected in the church. And to many of us, it seems like a very small, irrelevant thing. But if we can realize in that small key what's, What's there, there's big doors that swing, or the hinges swing on that small door. They can open up massive doors. Massive doors. Let's read some scripture this morning before you wonder if I'm, every, if I'm ever going to talk about scripture. <laughs> now, I was thinking about this when I was this past week. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians 1.19 that says, I pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. You know, and that's the scripture just blessed me. Um, but anyway, so I thought about the scripture, and I want to share on Ephesians this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I've got it up here as well. Ephesians 3, verse 14. But there's this small key called prayer. I think it's appropriate this morning before we go into 
into this year that we realize and tell ourselves, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that we have vision. It's wonderful that we know that we have got purpose, that we know where we're going. But we don't use that key. We can have a great sermon here this morning. We can have great worship. We can have all of that. But if we don't engage in prayer, we're going to stand there, try to open some stuff that we cannot open. You know? There's some of this stuff is so spiritual that in the natural eye, this, for, for the natural eye, this is just a small key. But God says this is spiritual. That key might be small to you. Use that key. And I want to encourage all of us, and this is my prayer this morning, that God would stir us afresh in our prayer life discovering that we're possibly holding small keys to big doors in your family, in this church, and wherever we are. So my question to you, and I want us to ask this question, does God have all power? Don't answer yet. I just want you to think about that. And for him to release that power, do we need to pray? There's a lot of questions I'm just popping out here, and I want you to think about that. Do we bother God long enough so that he releases that power. And when we pray, do we try and talk God into something that we want or that he wants to do? And does God require a certain amount of prayer for us this morning? I don't know. Hopefully we will. Do we need to keep on praying? I'm just putting the questions out there. Maybe I'm not going to give you the answers. Maybe you can sit in this week and find out the answers from Scripture. But read with me Ephesians 3 this morning, and there's a story, before I go there, let me tell you a little joke, I love jokes, so um, they tell me the story about a little boy that was praying for his, um, he was the only boy, and he said to his dad, dad, I want a little, bo- a little brother, so dad said, you, you need to pray, ask the father, so he started praying, for three months, he kept on praying, one month, nothing happens, two months, nothing happened, three months, he thought, okay, I'll let me just stop there, nothing happened, and then six months down the line, his dad called him one day and said, listen, let me go and take you and show you something. And they took him to the hospital and he opened up the curtain there and then looked through and he said, oh, that's your brother. And the dad said to him, there's not, uh, something more I want to show you. And he went to another bed, he opened the curtain and said, that's also your brother. And he went to the, the third one and he opened the curtain and he said, there's another brother. And, uh, and his dad said to him, aren't you relieved that you've got three brothers now? And he looked at his dad and he said, aren't you relieved that I stopped at three mo- after three months? <laughs> <laughs> there is power in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Ephesians 3. What a beautiful part of Scripture when Paul writes this to the Ephesians in this whole chapter, this whole book about Ephesians is about the church and the mystery of the church and the beauty of the church and what God has placed inside of us. Now he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I mean, there's so, so much truth. Some of this stuff, you just stand there and rooted and grounded in love. Lord, it's just heavy. Anyway, may be all able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, and now verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, Christ Je- uh, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Take the scripture off there, please, because uh, we've all seen that now. Maybe you've memorized some of that scriptures. Maybe you know that. And I think Ephesians 3 verse 20, if I ask you this morning, 
Um, who knows what's standing in Ephesians 3 verse 20? A lot of us will know. Probably say, you know, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Sometimes I have to quote that scripture just to, just to challenge my own faith. Just, just to, when I sometimes pray certain things and I'm in doubt, I have to quote that scripture just to myself, preach to myself and say, okay, am I still busy uh, seeing God as the God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all else? Now, this is amazing. There's actually this verse, um, there's a second part of this verse. Now, the majority of us would probably know that now to him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The second part of that verse not many of us know. I think we focus so much on that. The second part says this. According to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. We're going to stand still at that part this morning. According to the power. Now listen. Before we go further to that, and I want to talk about that part, according to the power. But this scripture, Ephesians 3.20, amazingly, grammarly, how this thing is put together. If you, if, you, if you look at that, and bear in mind, the scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wrote this. He used men, and he said, you know what, you should write this down. And when he spoke about the Godhead, and he wanted to carry the message or carry the cross, he could have said, listen, he could have said, now to him who is able to do. Now he then he realized, no, I can't describe God as that. Now to him who is able to do above else, or above all else. No, that doesn't describe God either. Now to him who is able to do abundantly above all else, what you can ask, think, or imagine, still doesn't make it. Still doesn't describe the kind of God that we serve. The God of, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all else, or else that he can think, ask, or imagine. I want you just to think about that. Maybe that it just blows my mind for a moment when I just even talk about that. That's the kind of God we serve. That sometimes we think as a church, as individuals, we pray like, you know, so such small prayers because we do not realize who's behind us. We sometimes have to change our view of God and realize, you know, this God that I'm serving is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all else that I can ask, think, or imagine. So if we walk according to God's ways with purpose, we can start asking exceedingly, abundantly, above all else. And this is not just, you know, Lord, to bless me so that I can look good. This is so that your kingdom can advance. And I sometimes think we're just limiting God through our small prayers. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning because we're stepping into new territory in this year that we've never been before. So I'm not from a place, you know, lifted up and say, you know what, I know it all. But the amazing thing about this is um, when you look at that part of the scripture, according to the power that works in us, is the Hebrew word kata. According to is the Greek word kata, which means, listen, measurement, measure, or distribution. In other words, my question to you, how much? And we're talking about according to the power that works in us. How much of God's power are you measuring out to your family? Because it's actually my first point this morning. God has deposited 
his power in us. His power in us. Now, if he measures it out, how much of that are you measuring out to your family? How much of that power are you measuring out to your workplace? If that power is there, why am I not seeing the fullness of that wherever we are? Is it possible that God has done everything and that he's waiting upon us just to measure that out through our prayers? Just to get to that place and understand that he's the God of doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all else that we can ask, think, or imagine. Can I shock you this morning with a statement? I believe that God's unlimited power is limited in our lives through our prayers. Now, God will do what he needs to do. I just want to say that, you know, it's not that the world will die. If, if we're not going to do it, God will raise up somebody that's brave enough and say, you know what, I'll take the land. But God is gracious as well at the same time. I'm not bringing fear. I'm just saying, I'm just stretching us this morning just to realize, just to look at him and say, Jesus, you are much bigger than what I've seen. And God, because I'm your son, because you've placed your power inside of me, I might have to wake up and measure out more of that power because it's already there. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. That Christ's power is here. I just have to measure it out according to Qatar. Measure it out to your workplace. Measure it out to your family. Measure it out to your children. Measure it out to those ones that you love and say, God, I pray your power in this. You know, when we actively engage in prayer and we really get to that place of intercession, it's amazing to see what happens in the spiritual realm. That you know that you know that you couldn't accomplish that in yourself, that that little key unlocks doors that um, Saki was telling to me on this road just now. You know, when Andre and, um, Andre and um, Haniki moved to to Scotland last year, what happened to them is uh, they moved all their stuff there in, with an agent in a container. When they got to the other side, the agent, agent went bankrupt in the process. So now the container with all their belongings is there. It's an, in the harbor. They can't take it out because the <laughs> agent's gone. And the way it works there is you've got to pay storage, and it's not small money. So it's mounting up. They can't pay that. It was like, what? 10,000 pounds. Okay? They just got no way. And I assume they prayed somewhere and just said, God, you need to come through. And he just told me. The company, I mean, the people don't even serve the Lord. So wherever the authorities are, they just brought the, after a while, just the container said, leave the money. Here's your container, you know. And I thought about that for a moment. It's amazing sometimes when God would just step in and do something that cannot be defined in the eyes of man, that cannot be traced back to any human contribution and say, you know, it's because we did this. We'd love to do that, you know. Our human nature is like that. Want to assign some of that, take a little bit of that credit. Yes, we need to bring contribution. I mean, John 6, when I shared last week as well, the fish and bread. But when you look at the fish and bread and you look at the people, you always realize we're outnumbered. I'm overwhelmed, Lord. Even the little bit that I give, there's nothing I can boast upon. But we call that principle is still valid. God has deposited his power in us. It's up to us to measure it out. In John 7, Jesus uses the analogy of prayer. You know? Let me go there quickly. John 7. I think I've got the scripture up here as well. The living water, actually. He's talking about the living water. 
He uses the analogy of prayer and he said, I'm the, I'm the living water. Ne? If he uses the analogy of the river, I want you to think about that. If Jesus is the living water, if he's the power in us, how wide is your river this morning? Is it just a trickle? Or is it a wide gushing river that wherever you are, because you are there and Christ is there, you measure it out and say, hey, there must be a, there must be a flood here because Christ is in me. We determine how much we want to let go of it. Come on. You agree with me? I've got control over how much I'm going to let out of Christ wherever I am, whether life is going to come or not. So what Christ would come and do, let's read that scripture together. John 7, 30, let me just get to the, yeah, 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, I'll come back to that feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is Christ now. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I have to, I have to say this. Remember that Christ said, on, uh, that the Bible said in Acts 1 verse 8, but when they were all together on that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out in them. Acts 1 verse 8, 1 verse 8 says that. And they received power. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit that was about to come. Luke talks about that. Jesus uh, prophesies or speaks to his disciples in Luke 24. You can read that 49. Also referring to the Holy Spirit that would come that would give them power. And we live in that age. We live in a time when the power is available. It's already been measured out. It's already been poured out. And he says, um, he refers to that. So what happens is, I want you to see this. It's important. They were having a feast, and on the last day, on the eighth day, Jesus gets up. For seven days, listen, for seven days, the Pharisees and the people would pray for living water, okay? History would tell us that they would pray for living water. For seven days, they would pray for living water. Where did this come from? This come from one occurrence in the Old Testament when Moses had to speak to the rock, and the other time he struck the rock when he wasn't supposed to do that, and water came out of that. So the, the people of Israel would always refer to that as living water that came forth. So, um, there's a scripture in Zechariah. Let me just go there quickly. If you give me another hand. Zechariah 14. I don't think I've got it. Yeah. 14 verse 8. And it refers to the living water that will come. And in that day, it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem Half of them towards the eastern sea and half of them towards the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur, referring to the Holy Spirit, referring to that living water. So what's happening is the people are there, Jesus in their midst, they act religious, they pray for living waters for seven days, living waters, living waters. On the eighth day, what would have happened, what they tell us, they didn't get any living water, so now they start praying for natural water. God sent us rain. Nothing wrong with praying for rain. But they thought, you know what, if we can't have living water, we'll have the second one. We'll have natural, way, natural water anyway, Lord. And then Jesus gets up in the midst. And here's the thing. The way they did it was just so wrong. So religious, going through the motions. Uh, some, some theologians, historians tell us that they were immoral, that they fell into this thing of just going through the motions, living water, living water. While Christ is in their midst, they don't even realize that. And then Christ gets up and says, by the way, guys, I am the living water here in your midst. And they miss it for a moment. Because Jesus 
is that one, that promise. And here's the thing, we could be having the Holy Spirit this morning present in our lives, but we don't let go. We don't measure out the power. And I'm talking about the power of prayer, the Holy Spirit present, presiding in our lives, the power that needs to be released through prayer, wherever we are, speaking life. Is it possible this morning, my friend, brother and sister, that you're holding on the faucet of living water and you stop it because you believe more? You know, listen, let me put it this way. You know, when you go to, to your bath and run a bath, you put your hand on the faucet, you lift it, you believe that there will hot water will come. Isn't it true? You lift it up and you just wait because hot water will come. Sometimes I think we just have more faith in hot water than in prayer because you just stand there. You didn't think about the hot water. You just expect it to come. But I think sometimes we pray and then we walk away. It's almost like turning on the hot water and if you feel it's just cold, just close it again. I think sometimes we pray and oh, nothing happened. Let's just leave it and then we just carry on with it. Instead of waiting and praying and waiting and praying until the power breaks through. Sometimes we, we know that we need to pray. We pray a little bit, but then we leave it. Why did Elijah, after God said to him, he will anyway send rain, keep on praying seven times? I already told you it's going to rain. Why did Daniel, the Bible says, why did he keep on praying for those 21 days? In Daniel 10, you can read that. Because there was spiritual resistance. The Bible says, when the angel reached him, he said to him, I heard your prayer. God said, I heard your prayer on the first day. But I was resisted on my way here. Sometimes it takes perseverance. Sometimes we just have to stand and say, God, we want to see change in this nation. We want to see changes. Till we see this, we're going to keep on bugging you. We're going to keep on knocking. We're going to stand here with the same request till you touch this nation, till you touch this person. This is the kind of God where we release that power. We say, God, I'm just going to Sorry to you, but I'm, I'm here again, Lord Jesus. I'm here this morning again just to remind you, touch this person, God. And I'm praying, uh, talking from a place of pure, that we would come to God with a pure passion, urgency. Not just to go through motions, but God, I, I cannot see that person lost. I cannot see that that doesn't change. God, I move. God, and I, God show me, is there anything else that is that's, that's resistance, that's a form of it's forming a kind of resistance against your power. Can we pray against that this morning? Maybe there's something. Lord, can we pray for that? I'm measuring out the power. Whew, man, I'm excited about that. Because it just, um, it just excites me what we can do with our prayers. How much, think about this, how much of the work of salvation has been done? Can you add anything? It's not a trick question. You can't add anything. The work of salvation has been done 150%, 200%. You can't add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. You might have not experienced it based upon a decision, that you, but the work has already been done. But it's not been measured out to some of us. How much of the fullness of that work that has already been done have you experienced in your life? You might have experienced just some of it, but maybe not the fullness of that. Why? Is it because God doesn't want us to experience that? Or is it because we've made a decision not to measure out some of that 
and still walk in certain things. I'm just encouraging you this morning that there's so much more that God wants us to. And here's the thing. What Ephesians tells us this morning is it might not be true here on earth yet, but it already took place in heaven. It already took place in the spiritual realm. The power has been given to us. It's residing here, and God says, just bring it down from heaven into earth. That's exactly what we do with prayer. We just move the stuff that's already been done. When we talk about salvation, when we talk about every spiritual blessing, think about all the spiritual blessings this morning. When, when Paul writes in Ephesians and talks about all the spiritual blessings, how much of those spiritual blessings you're already seeing in your life? I don't see all of them in my life. I still struggle in several areas. But it means I'll have to move them. It's already been done. It's not that God doesn't want to do it. He already did it. God, I just apply that promise to my life as well. I just stand upon that word. I just apply that to my life. And Lord, I pray that that will become part of me. That blessing that you said. When people experience rejection, you can carry on. The thing, rejection, whatever it might be, they have to move the promise from heaven into their lives. And we move it through prayer. And we apply that power. Amen, man. I'm excited. I don't know. You're very quiet this morning. Uh, hopefully after this morning in this year, we will pray differently. Just understanding it's not about me and you. It's about the Father that we serve, the incredible greatness of He. And if we line up with His purposes, we just, God, let your power come through here. Move. We move what is in heaven to earth. I want to share something this morning. I don't know even when I'm, I'm still contemplating, but I, once you've moved to that place, when you say you want to share, then everybody wonders what you want to share. But I want to say that very carefully, because... Um, some of us hopefully wouldn't get it wrong. And I shared this example purely because I sensed that, that what, that's just to prove the point and the power of prayer. Some time ago, um, and I can't share too much detail because I want to protect the identity of the people. Um, some unrighteous stuff happened to righteous people in our congregation. And the way they were treated and what happened in the work environment, it was just a lot of unrighteousness against righteous people. And... Um, I can't share the details too much. Maybe you will add one and one. But here's the thing. In that moment, it stirred me up. I was just so um, stirred up. There's a word, a godly discontentment, almost in a way. I said, God, this is not right. You cannot. We cannot. This is your child. I cannot see that the wool comes against your child. Sometimes God will ask us just to submit, just be the light. But in this case, it was just a pure the enemy being used, unfortunately, and we can be an agent in his hand as well, through people just coming against this man and his family and what of stuff. And then um, after what happened, I sense they had to leave the work. And anyway, long story short is God spoke to me and said to me, I want you to now listen carefully. God has never done this before with me, and I'm sharing this the first time this morning purely because I don't want you to go and uh, do things irresponsible out there because our hearts sometimes, or we do not understand. So God said to me, I want you to go and pray over that place. This is where it worked. And close heavens over that place. Now, I don't want you to go, please hear my heart. In my time that I've served the Lord, I've never had such an instruction. So that was so uh, bold or something that I had to check and say, Lord, man, this is a tough one. And I can't share it with other people. I can't other, ask other people to go and pray with me because they wouldn't have a reference maybe for you. I just have to obey now. I'll just check. And Lord, if this is not from you, you need to help me here. 
So I went there about three times. I said, Lord, I close the heavens over this. I pray that these people, I do not know if they had happened with them, but I pray, Lord, as a result of that, because you are the God, you are the Father, you are the one that supply, you are our source. But Father, if they come against the righteous one, we close that now, right now, the heavens that reign upon this place. And Father, I pray out of the process that they will get to know you. Sometimes, you know, we, we rely so much upon all the other things you know, of this world. We don't want to get to Christ because we tap into other resources. And then God needs to shoot the, you know, just Elias, kitty cry and maki stroom droog, so that we can come back to him. They were unrighteous. And I just said, God, okay, I just do what I sense to do. Six months down the line, the business closed down. Why am I saying this to you this morning? Not so that we can go and close businesses. Please don't <laughs> hear me. I'm just saying to you, for me, I just realized in that moment the amazing or the incredible authority we have to pray prayers to let the kingdom come where God is. And, you know, I've heard similar, and I want to say that, you know, we had an intercession conference and then, um, two, three years ago, and Tanya Amanda came and she shared on some stuff that they were doing, um, going into town, you know, literally closing certain businesses, and that's the first time I heard about that where they would come against, you know, women coming in there selling themselves, businesses. And they went, stand in front of the business and say, we just closed this business. There's no more business in town. There's no more place. We close it in the spiritual realm. Because we don't want this unrighteousness to continue to prevail in our town. So we've got authority to do things like that. All I'm saying is we should be careful, but we should always realize the one behind us. That reason we start praying that prayer has got a significant effect. Not so that I can stand here this morning and boast upon, I've closed the business. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm saying it so carefully. And as I'm standing here, I'm praying and say, God, let it just be received well. So we don't run with a different story and go and misuse almost in a way our authority. Because that's not why God gave us authority but to see that his kingdom come, to see that the righteous flourish, to see, because I knew there was a righteous man in his family. You know, and I don't find any pleasure today and say, ah, oh, I just heard and it just went by. I said, Lord, let whatever you want to do. Because sometimes the unrighteous or the evil one will come and resist and we just have to go against that. We just have to realize, God, your power is in us. We're just going to accept that, go with the flow, and then the evil one will come and and spool or we can rise up and say, righteousness will prevail because Christ is in our midst. His kingdom will be established. Amen. Are you going to go and pray over certain businesses? Hopefully pray that, that, the, that Christ's kingdom will be established there. Eh? <laughs> Last scripture. We release God's power through our prayers. Revelation 5 verse 8. Let me just get there quickly. Give me a moment. I think we've ever got it up here as well. Yeah. I think it's last book in the chapter uh, in the Bible, as far as I remember. Five eight. Listen to this. It's powerful. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and the, before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You can underline that. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The Bible says, listen, that our prayers are stored up in heaven in bowls. Think about your prayers. Think about all the prayers. There are different bowls. This is a picture out there for different prayers. 
How does your bowl for your family look like? For your workplace? For whatever? For your church? For this town? Are we busy filling up our bowls? I want to make sure that I do not pronounce it other way. Bowls, then it's something different. <laughs> My wife had to correct me one Sunday. I was preaching on the bowls and bowels, and she had to say, listen, just remember next time, not bowels. <laughs> so uh, that's good when you have somebody next to you that can help you. And um, we've got bowls in heaven where we can just, almost like that letter, you just drop a prayer there. God, we continue to stand. We continue to pray. We continue to lift this family up to you. Lord, we continue to see that your power is released into the life of that family. Father, we thank you that your peace will continue to come to this family. Father, we stand before you afresh this morning. And Father, we come against everything that stands in your way from that family or that person experiencing your love. And it might be this or that. We give you a moment of silence there. That's fine. But we come against that. That's the amazing thing about God's power in us. We must release that. Measure it according to the power. Measure it down from heaven to earth. Apply that. Release that. Is that mine? It's gone. Okay. Don't worry. It's just the devil trying to get our attention. <laughs> now it's not your car. Not, the devil is not in your car. So relax. <laughs> Last scripture, Revelation 8, this 1 to 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, theologians believe that's why pastors and women would not be in heaven, because there's silence. But um, anyway, you didn't get that one. <laughs> Apologies, I added myself to the equation as well, because we talk a lot, you know. So uh, let's start again. <laughs> it was just a joke. Okay, I have to apologize. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints as it ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel, listen, then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it down to the earth. Then there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Here's the thing. We've got our bowl. So what happens? We pray. Every time we pray, no, no prayer is lost in heaven, in the spiritual realm. Boom. Add it up. Another one. And when it's filled up, what happens? It's the job of one angel just to add some fire to that, the power of God to that, because we persisted, because we said, Lord, I'm going to trust you, trust you, trust you. And what does he do? Throw it down to earth, and power comes in this situation. Why is it that we can pray for weeks and months, sometimes shorter, and then suddenly there's just one breakthrough one day? Because we know that everything has been conquered. And I want to encourage you this morning. Fill those bowls, bowls <laughs> in heaven. Fill this bowl for this church, for your family, for whoever it might be that God is laying upon your heart in this year. My desire in one of them this year is that we will pray much more effectively in this year to come. That we will realize the one behind us that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all else. According to, say it with me, according to the power that works in us. I want you to think about that as you leave here. According to the power 
People, you've got power inside of you. Measure it out to your community. Measure it out to your workplace. Measure it out to your family members. Say, Jesus, I apply that. I measure it out. Let heaven come into this place. I'm just going to stand here, Lord. And I know maybe you're going to do some strange prophetic things that doesn't make sense to the, to the people out there, but that's also fine. You know, just maybe God says, one, I want you to measure out your power in this place where you're going to work. People, uh, some of our people in congregation said, you know what, we have to um, go and plant some Bibles there where we're going to soon build on the 1st of February. So we were having this discussion last night. They say, you know what, I can just imagine the contractor thinking, oh, these mad people, they put in the, in the foundation Bibles and scriptures, you know, but it's just a prophetic act of obedience. It doesn't make the building, actual building stronger, but it's just a declaration, Lord, that this church will be built upon your word. And sometimes God will ask us to do strange and funny things, okay? I'm not saying to hang it on the big, almost like this prayer to do. Don't hang it on the big clock and tell people. But sometimes we just have to do certain things because God says that's a prophetic act of obedience. I remember once we were in Korihas and we were there in the outreach. And then uh, the problem there is a lot of people struggling with uh, alcoholism. It's a massive problem. So they haven't got work. And then <laughs> we went up on this little hill and we were up there in the hill. And I just said, God says, I want you to pray against the spirit of alcoholism. But I want you to do something prophetically. I want you to break bottles. Okay, that was, that was you know, if you're a little boy, you want to break windows. I don't know. <laughs> huh? It's just me. We did naughty stuff sometimes. You break a bottle. So we were there, standing there breaking bottles, <laughs> but spraying in the spirit and say, God, we break that spirit. So that's the first time we prayed and lit it together. But, <laughs> but it was just a prophetic act of obedience in that moment. So all I'm saying to you this morning, don't underestimate. Sometimes God is going to ask you, move. Move, measure out according to the power in us. One more story. I'm trying to drink this water for the last half an hour, but I didn't get to it because I'm too excited about this. Some time ago, end of last year, um, I closed my Bible so that you can get out. That is the end. End of last year, I was praying one morning at home, and uh, nobody was there. Our lady that's working for us, she wasn't there, so it was an amazing time. I knew I could just carry on, on, the, on, the, on the, up in my office, in the, in the lounges area as well, just walking around and praying, because I had such an urgency for prayer, specifically for our, I think it was still for our, our child and foundation. So I was busy praying in tongues, and I think I was about 45 minutes busy in prayer there. But now I'm walking there, psyching myself up, you know, praying and I've got this watch on. <laughs> it was funny. And uh, as I'm praying, and this is now after 40 minutes, you know, you just get more and more excited. You're just clearing God's promises. And God, we thank you. And this worship music playing. And please do that from time to time, you know, where you're just alone, where nobody sees what you're doing, but it's just you and God. And you just declare the promises of God. So what happened is, um, I guess this, this thing picked up. There's something that changed in the inside here. Because it's monitoring your heartbeat. <laughs> So I get this, and I thought, what happened here? This is the message. And the message came through, and it said, well done, keep it up, keep it up. <laughs> and I thought, I started laughing because I realized this thing is picking up. There's something changing in my heartbeat. It's amazing when we really engage in prayer, when we get our minds and heart there, when we, when everything in our being. So I, and I laughed, you know, and I thought, Lord, this is, this is just, I, I can just see you in this picture as well. It's almost like the father saying, keep it up. <laughs> You're breaking through almost. So I carried on for a short while. And then after a while, I, um, 
I finished. And as I said, amen, and I calmed down. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and I sense that was our Father just saying to us, you know, that even technology recognizes when there's something happening in the spiritual realm. You know, it's just a stupid, I want to say, watch. But God used that that morning just to, to affirm me, say, just keep on doing those things. And I sense to say that for you, for all of us this morning, and this year to come, that it's time to step it up. Step your prayer life up. If you just start at home, if you just start in your area, sometimes for us, it's a major step some of us need to take. And you feel like, you know what, I can't take that big step. Just take one small step. Step it up one. Give it one notch up. Maybe you just need to sit down in the next week or two and just say, God, maybe you just need again to give me a fresh perspective of you, of who you are of the power that you've placed inside of us. And then maybe I can somewhere along the way just step in and say, that's the God I serve. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all else that we think or imagine, according to the power that works in us. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.